0: Me and Hakun have, uh, have multiple uh, multiple topics on the docket today. Uh, we're planning to run through uh, Indominic and signing with the Rams, the, uh, the boiling OBJ situation in New York, the Des Bryant situation in Dallas, Alan Hearns signing with the Cowboys, Johnny Menzel. Is he going to the NFL or is he going to the CFL? Uh, we're going to discuss the new NFL Pets rule and the new NFL targeting rule. Uh, as I said, this is the Football Garbage Time podcast. We are experiencing technical difficulties, like we so often do. Um, so the music's going to keep, I guess, running in the background here while I kind of fly off this freestyle. Uh, but I am uh, senior staff writer Ryan Whitfield. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield NE. You can follow along with Football Garbage Time at FB Garbage Time. And uh, I guess what we're going to do here is, until I hear further from Haccoon, uh I'm going to start rolling a little bit in to the topic. Again, uh, I understand the music playing in the background, and that is not uh, traditionally how we do it, but uh, it's how we're doing it now. So, uh, Obviously this week, one of the, Latin, the biggest free agent names to move and sign at this point uh, is in Dominican Sioux. Um, I was actually pretty uh, pretty excited to, to start on this topic today with Hakun, um, mainly because Hakun often jokes that I am the guy who uh, who does not take long into it each uh episode to call somebody an idiot, and uh, today I was going to do that very early on with Ndamukong Su. So, Ndamukong Su was uh, noted saying a couple weeks ago that he was going to sign uh, with the highest fitter, regardless of fit or need. Uh, He actually ended up in a place that uh, maybe doesn't have a great need, but uh, was definitely a good defense, and they're going to add another piece here. Uh, with Indominus personally, I made it. Hey, here we are. Okay, <laughs> so I can stop tap dancing now. Right. Oh my Fantastic. god, unbelievable! I was not born to host this. So uh, I'll let you uh, kind of jump in here, but I did run <laughs> down the topics that we were going to use. Explained. You know, to our repeat listeners, they're not surprised, but any new, newcomers that we are uh, known for our technical difficulties. And I was uh, just starting to dive in on in Dominican Soup, but I'll let you uh, set that up if you'd like you guys. <laughs>
1: well, this has been um, so. This is great because, quite frankly, on my end, I could hear all I could hear me, but I couldn't hear you. And apparently, more importantly, no one else out there could hear me, but they could hear you. So that was fantastic. That was a. I'm sure that was a scintillating podcast there. As I was talking to myself in my room, uh, while you uh, went on to discuss all the things that we're going to be talking about today. So uh, thanks for running with that, uh, Ryan. That uh, <laughs> appreciate <That's nice>. it. <laughs> so let me let me uh, let me make an announcement before we jump in here. Uh, something that we're going to be doing coming up real soon. We're going to have a, our annual Twitter mock draft. We're going to have an annual Twitter mock draft. We do that every year. Every year, staff members from football garbage time. Take turns making picks on behalf of every NFL team in the Mock Draft on, uh, on Twitter. And all those picks are consolidated into an article with our thoughts on why those picks will be actually made at the NFL Draft on April 26th. But unlike last year, we're going to have some special guests helping us out this time. We're going to have all the guys from Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast helping Love us it. out. And the guys from the Urban Sports Scene Podcast, Redskins Specialists. They will also be helping us out. They have their own Redskins the show on Fox Radio over in DC, and they're going to be jumping on as well. So, follow us on FB Garbage Time on Twitter, and we'll be announcing the start to all that fun real soon. It's going to be great. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it, and you're going to learn a lot. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Ryan will make controversial picks and uh, put down every pick I make. So that'll be a lot of fun for all you well, regulars as well. <laughs> <laughs> that all right
0: sound like me all I took from that was that uh given the amount of guys we have in this year that I uh I sent you way too many suggestions for teams that I would take but uh <laughs> I think you know my favorite so
1: yeah yeah oh I I'm pretty sure I know what your favorite is so with that said let's go ahead and uh get this thing rolling All right, let's get started because you already talked started talking about it. And Dominican Sue signing with the Rams this past week, the Rams signed defensive tackle, and Dominican Sue. of the Dolphins to a one-year, $14 million contract. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Sue took less money to sign with the Rams because he was reportedly very intrigued by the idea of teaming up with Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers while playing for defensive coordinator Wade Phillips. Now, Even at 31, Sue remains one of the best interior linemen out there, even though the stats weren't there last year. And Coach Sean McVay recently confirmed that Sue will be playing nose tackle for the Rams, which in Phillips' defense will allow both Sue and Donald to one-gap and get up against the quarterbacks, while Brockers, will focus on run defense. So what are your thoughts here on Indominus Sue signing with the Rams?
0: You know, I started to say this uh, before you jumped on, and I, I had my, my host voice on them, so now I can go back to my a-hole voice, which is the voice <laughs> I'm much more suited for. Ndamukong Suh sucks. What do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean a down year last year? Most overrated player in football. First of all, <laughs> you're a defensive tackle. So get out of here. Second of all, most overrated guy. He doesn't care about the scheme. He doesn't care about who he's playing with or his responsibilities. This is the ultimate freelancer who will do things to the detriment of his team just to try to get stats, which, by the way, he only ever gets in unimportant games. The, the, the eye test I always give you with, with guys like Ndamukong Kinsu is name the biggest play of his career. And no, you can't say stomping on people. I'll
1: wait. <laughs> oh wait. That, that, that is single, that's what I was going to say. So you got to took it. So
0: <laughs> there's not an, there's not a single iconic play. There's never been a play in a prime time in a play t- a playoff game. There's nothing he's ever done to transform a dynasty or I mean a franchise and make make a big important play. So get out of here with the Dominican Sue. For that team, for the deal they got him for, not awful. Just more talent on that defensive line, but him as an individual player, the fact that he was out there and waited that long and only got a million, and only got a one-year deal, says everything you need to know about Indomitsu. Bum.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, I, I think uh, I don't think as quite as poorly of Indomitsu. I do think they probably overpaid a little bit, but they've been very, uh, very aggressive in the off-season. The Rams. Uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about them in a little bit. Um, I do think there's some potential for him to mesh well with Aaron Donald. I think there could be some uh, some good quarterback pressure uh, using them both in the one-gap scheme. But uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know if it's the best. He's 31 years old. He is, uh, you know, he's getting up there in age, and he hasn't done much uh, aside from making a name for himself and his bad temper. So who knows what's going to happen going forward? Interesting signing by the Rams. Let's go ahead and flip it over to uh, Odell Beckham Jr. There is some interesting noise being made about him. Uh, earlier this week, Giants co-owner John Mara uh, said that OBJ is, quote, not on the block, but that the team is listening to trade offers. He actually said, you know, even though he's not on the block, quote, is that going to stop us from possibly calling us? No. But we're not shopping him around. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know what that means. So call me, I won't call you. Well, ESPN's Adam chapter reports that Giants, the Giants are asking for now, quote, at least two first-round picks in a potential OBJ trade. And by all accounts, the Rams' number one, number 23 overall pick in next month's draft is on the table for the Beckham conversations. But it's unclear if they're willing to give up next year's first-round pick as well. Still hard to see, that, see them trading him. It's a... But the question that's on the table is, will all this talk actually have a bigger impact on OBJ himself? And will he not want to sign the extension of the Giants during this offseason? So what are your thoughts about OBJ and all this discussion about a trade and his possibility of going to the Rams?
0: Yeah, I don't know how many more moves the Rams are going to make, so uh, (laughs) I'll abstain from from guessing on that one. Uh, But I think the interest is real. Uh, as far as that, and then moving him, moving on from him. I mean, yeah, he said um, in the in the quote from uh, from our there. You know, he he mentioned, you know, oh, you know, we're certainly we're not certainly not shopping him, but we're open to, you know, we're obviously not going to not pick up the phone when after the three and thirteen season, all the stuff you just said. But the more the more interesting right. quote in there was the was the idea of the. Um, he said something to the extent of, and I'm going to uh, paraphrase, but uh, we're tired of having the same conversations as Odell. Yeah. And to me, that says they're done. And they should be done. I don't care how talented this guy is. If the Patriots have taught you idiots out there nothing, it's that you don't need a diva-wide receiver. How many diva-wide receivers? It's like the number one pick running back. It's like it's this fantasy perception and, this, and this, this perception of the person in their – um, their aura around them, and that that leads people to believe that you need this guy. When has this guy ever won a Super Bowl? Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, uh, Golan down the line. I mean, look at the teams that have won it recently. You know, the Seahawks, the the ah uh, Jesus, and freaking Denver, Jesus, the Patriots, like. Uh, the Eagles last year. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's not a number one diva receiver. He's a pretty quiet, mild-mannered guy. The number one guy who's all about me is the same guy that wants all the targets. That's in the huddle saying, "I'm open, get me the ball." The antics on the sideline, hugging the net, all this stuff. He's got too many screws loose. He wants to go out and party on on boat with Justin Bieber before before the first playoff game of his career. Like it, every there's there's a million priorities except for football. And that and you know it's my it's my one of my favorite quotes is and I think it. It's reverberated from Will Smith. I don't think it's actually generated by him originally. But, the, you know, that, that talent sets the floor, but work ethic sets the ceiling. And so OBJ is always going to put up stats and be a good player because of that talent that sets his floor. But he'll never reach his ceiling until he changes. So if I'm the Giants, it's time to rebuild. I would ship him out, and I'd get whatever I could for him and start to rebuild. You already have a high pick this year. Go get a couple more high picks.
1: Yeah, so I, I I still think that OBJ is, is definitely one of the he's still one of the better wide receivers in the league, even though he is kind of a diva, and certainly I, I, he hasn't done anything to help the Giants get anywhere in the uh, in recent in the recent past. And to be fair, he's only really played three seasons. Last year uh, was an injury-marred season, but what I think is interesting to note is even though he's had in his three, you know, quote-unquote full seasons, even though those three seasons weren't really full, he's had over 1,300 yards receiving and over 10 uh, touchdowns in each of those seasons, but his average uh, yards per game has actually gone down over time, and his yards... And his average yards per reception has gone down over time. Um, his average yards per game has actually went from 108 to 96 to 85 to 75. Now that could be quarterback play as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, Eli was no was was no great quarterback. <laughs> yes, last year or even the year before. But the fact of the matter is that there there is some possibility that he is. Already peaked. He's already peaked, and maybe it's time to move on and let somebody else deal with him. And I think he would be a clear upgrade if he went to the Rams. Let's talk about the next wide receiver. That's Alan Hearns, who is, uh, in the past week has signed with the Cowboys uh, to a two-year, $12 million contract. Now He uh, is obviously formerly of the Jaguars. He's presumably an immediate upgrade to the Cowboys receiving core that is essentially uh, has zero depth. Uh, Terrence Williams has a $3.5 million salary is guaranteed, but Hearns could immediately challenge him to start opposite Des Bryant, or the Cowboys could run Hearns from the slot, which he did plenty of in Jacksonville, which could have him replacing Cole Beasley. Uh, Keep in mind, Hearns has not played all 16 games since his first rookie year, his 2014 year, uh, and has had a lot of injuries up until that point. So what are your thoughts on Alan Hearns signing with the Cowboys?
0: Yeah, Alan Hearns is is Alan Hearns <laughs> for <of> a classically better <laughs> statement. I mean, wow, um,
1: it's, it's like it's, white toast uh, here. What the heck?
0: Yeah, he just, just he doesn't move the needle for me. So, um, you know, Dallas is just they just don't ever seem to get it. You know, you look at Dallas off season in and out, and it just never feels like they get any better. It feels like they just swap in the same kind of player for the same. I mean, what What is the difference between Terrence Williams and Alan Hearns? Is there? or He's basically the same guy, right? He, he shows flashes. He'll have some good moments and stuff, but he's not a guy you're building your franchise around. So, I don't know. I mean, is, did, did Alan, uh, does Alan Hearns, you know, did anybody in Dallas, well, probably because everyone in Dallas, uh, it's one of those. It's one of those loser franchises in sports. It's like the Canadians who uh, still puff their chest about all the cups they've won, even though they haven't won them since the frickin' 70s. <laughs> uh, same thing with the Cowboys. It's been it's been 20 years since you've been relevant, but they still call it. They still call themselves America's team. So they probably do think this is uh, this is going to win them the Super Bowl. But it's uh, either they bring in bad locker room guys who they can't control, or they bring in you know just mediocre guys. And I'm just you know. I'm over the Dallas thing, and I think that two years ago is kind of a fluke now, and this signing is just another step to mediocrity.
1: No, Alan Hearns, I mean, I agree. Alan Hearns is is really only a a marginal improvement over Terrence Williams, perhaps, but I think he's not a bad pickup for a two-year, $12 million contract. I mean, that's pretty reasonable for a number two receiver. Um, That's assuming that they keep Des Bryant, which is the big question that I have for you next, because there is some question about Des Bryant And whether he will be a Cowboy next season. The Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones says that the team, quote, still needs, quote, unquote, to talk to Des Bryant about his contract. They have not actually spoken to him about his contract yet. And when he went on to say that he has, quote, left the door open for the Cowboys to take a receiver at number 19 overall. The Cowboys want to slash Bryant's $12.5 million salary, and the one way to do that is simply to outright release him. Bryant will turn 30 in November, and releasing him would clear about $12.5 million in cap space if he is a post June 1 cut. So the thought is that after the draft, post June 1, they will release Des Bryant. Now, there's nothing that confirms that that will happen. There may be still negotiations on the contract, uh, on extending his contract, but what are your thoughts on the situation with Des Bryant, should he, should the Cowboys cut him? Or should the Cowboys keep him? Or do you think this doesn't make a difference for them?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a hard evaluation in my mind because, you know, given what I just said, you know, they, they need all the talent they can get, but it doesn't feel like Dak and Dez fit together. Right. Um, so maybe they are better going to get more of a, you know, because they're, you know, between Zeke and Dak, feels like they're kind of running a college-style offense, so maybe it makes sense to go get more of a, you know, a, a West Coast uh, kind of guy, a West Coast offense kind of guy out of the draft um, because Dez, Dez plays big boy football, and I think the way that the, the kind of the pieces in Dallas right now is a little bit more scheme football, option read, uh, you know, and, and more kind of vertical uh, or horizontal play, whereas Dez is the kind of guy that's going to, He's going to run the tough seam routes, and he's going to get on the outside for you. And he's more of a vertical, um, you know, game. So I just, it might be time for I, I you know, I think we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. I don't think Dez yep. is done. I think Dez has taken too much blame for just the fit with Dak, and then the fact that that offense was just a sieve last year in general. So right. um, it might be best for both sides for them just to part ways. And you know, there's a team uh, up up in the Northeast uh who would uh who would gladly uh <laughs> gladly take Dez um and maybe maybe the Pats can go trade uh Brandon Cooks butt out of here for a second round pick and then take in, and take in Dez I'd take that.
1: Yeah, interesting, interesting. But Dez is a little bit of a diva wide receiver though. I don't I don't know if I think he kind of qualifies as a diva in and of yeah, himself. he's
0: he's, diva, he's in a diva different way though. Dez is the is the diva that wants to win. And and you know the difference. There's the guy who's giving my targets giving my targets um you know 2 years ago when that when that team was good. You know, and, and Dez wasn't having an overly productive year. You never really heard a lot out of him or a lot of complaining. He supported Dak the whole way. He supported Zeke the whole way because I think, first and foremost, he cares about his team winning. And, yeah, does he get a little demonstrative and lose a little control of his emotions and, and and upstage a little bit at times? But, yeah, but I think it's always about when the team's not playing well, you know, as opposed to Odell's antics with, the you know, when it's not going to him and it's not going his way, he starts throwing his helmet on the sideline. I just, I think they're very, very different types of diva guys. And I'll take a guy who wants to win all day, as opposed to a guy who's more concerned about his brand and dancing on the field and, you know, having the cameras on him.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Dez can recapture some of Des magic because of the fact that the in 2012, 2013, 2014 were his highlight years—1,200 plus receiving yards and 12 plus touchdowns in each of those years. But then he's done it on a slide since 2015, 2016, 2017 hasn't broken uh, 850 yards and has not broken has not had double digits uh, touchdowns in any of those years. So interesting to see what happens there. Like you said, could be the mix match with uh, with uh, Dak Prescott. But um, it will be interesting if he is cut. There will be quite a run on his services. Let's move on to the next guy. That's Johnny Manziel. There's not much to say about Johnny Manziel that hasn't been said before. But is he back? I don't know. Johnny Football participated in the University of San Diego's Pro Day, and he completed 36 to 38 passes, reportedly he had a, quote, strong day in front of representatives of 12 NFL teams. And he recently appeared on Andrew Hawkins and Joe Thomas's podcast and apologized to both ex-Browns for blowing his first opportunity Opportunity and wasting their time. Manziel then participated in the Texas A&M Pro Day, and he did per- apparently pretty well there, leading to a meeting with a bunch of teams, including those New England Patriots. And Manziel will be participating in the spring lead coming up real soon. He's been, he said that if he doesn't get an offer on an NFL team, he will go to Canada, he'll go north of the border and join in a CFL team, and they are excited to have him if he will go up there. What are your thoughts on Johnny Manziel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the kid deserves a... Uh a second chance, you know, I think we've talked a lot about kind of the, the idea of someone who's just, uh, acting out as opposed to somebody who might have a real medical condition. And obviously Manzello has come out and claimed bipolar and, um, you know, far bait for me to, to, to disagree with him. But, uh, you know, I think that if, if he can play, you know, I think there's, um, you know, there's a chance. And I think that, I don't know, you, you look at some of the backups in the league and, uh, now, now they're all gonna escape me. But uh, you know, basically anyone who's anyone who's play, started at quarterback, uh, aside from Carson Palmer, over the last five years in Arizona, uh, you can throw <laughs> on the list of guys that would take Johnny Manziel over.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so, How about Cody you know, Kessler, who was just traded to the
1: Jaguars? <laughs> I take Manziel over to Kessler.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Kessler, Kessler is a trade market. I saw that today. Was, uh, it's crazy, was right? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade a bag of uh, deflated New England footballs for him. But uh, you know. So I, I just, I think that the kid deserves a chance, you know, at least take a flyer on him, bring him to camp. If it doesn't work out, he's a kid that will play for free. So if you can get him at the veteran minimum, which is like 900K, no guaranteed money, no incentives, you know, if yeah. he just wants a shot back in the league. So if he's willing to come on for that, why would you not bring him into camp? And I know you mentioned the Patriots. I mean, you know, the Patriots are kind of in the point now where they, they got rid of the future. Um, and, now, and now the quarterback and head coach are bumping heads and now there's you know, rumors and whispers out there that people, you know, people close to Brady don't believe he'll play to 45, which is, by the way, an issue for a separate day. But you forced Jimmy G out of town, Brady, and now you're going to walk away after another year. <laughs> you, I will burn every Brady jersey if he leaves the Patriots. <laughs> and in, that's a lot of jerseys. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he that that's unacceptable. But uh, with that said, the Patriots are going to start throwing darts at the wall. So bring in bring in Manziel. I mean, Hoyer is not the answer. So bring in Manziel. And, you know, if you can work with him and get get something out of him and he can stick, you know. Uh, maybe he's the heir apparent. I mean, I think it's probably like a 1% chance with somebody, uh, Tony Maserati in the local Boston sports station today uh, made a, made a great analogy said, you know, the Patriots are in the, are in the position where they haven't really saved for retirement and retirement's coming. So they got to start pulling lottery tickets and hope for the best. And, and Menzel's a $5 lottery ticket. So pull it <laughs> down and hope you hit it.
1: Yep. Yep. That's all true. All right. Well, that's, that's a, that is an interesting take. It'll be interesting to follow on what's going to happen there. I think most likely he will end up in the CFL, but who knows what happens after that because I think he could have some success there. Let's ring the bell on that. Let's go to our next topic, and that is the new NFL rules. And we're going to talk about two in particular, the new NFL catch rule and the new NFL quote-unquote targeting rule. It's not really targeting, but it's something similar to that. So let's talk about the NFL catch rule first. The new catch rule will eliminate the requirement to maintain control of the ball throughout the process of going to the ground. That's one of the most controversial parts of that catch rule over the last two years. So there it is, brand-new catch rule eliminates that requirement. Instead, it will define a catch with a simpler, quote-unquote, simpler simpler three-step process. A receiver must control the ball, establish himself in bounds, and then perform a football move such as taking a third step or lunging with the ball in hand. So this change means that plays such as those involving Detroit's receiver Calvin Johnson back in 2010 and Dallas's receiver, as we just talked about, Des Bryant in 2014, those will be catches in the future. And that would also change Pittsburgh Steelers tight ends Jesse James' overturned catch in that December loss to the New England Patriots. And that would also be counted as a touchdown because of the lunge that he made at the end zone. So what are your thoughts on this new NFL catch rule?
0: my thoughts are that you're all stupid if you think this changes anything. Uh, And which by the reaction on Twitter recently, you guys do, you know, it's this crazy thing that when, when replay came out, um, whatever it was 20 years ago, now everyone's like, okay, now we're finally all going to get it right. And now here we are 20 years later and now we can't agree on the rules. Even when we watch it in super slow motion, you know, slow frame. And, And what that tells me is that, is that everyone's always going to see it through the lens of what they want to happen. And it's never going to be perfect. And even on video review, it's still going to get messed up. So they can fix the rule. And at the end of the day, you know what they need to do to fix the NFL? It's take away replay altogether. It's ruining the sport. You want to talk about ratings going down? Talk about how now I have to sit here and I have to watch Okay, he scored a touchdown. Me and my friends were all high five, and it was like, oh, wait, did the ball move, though? Everyone sit down, shut up. Let's watch it for a few. Now we're going to debate it. Now he's going to come out. Now he's going to rule it as a touchdown. Now we'll go to right. commercial. We'll come back. We'll have the kickoff. Go to commercial again. Come back. Now that here, here comes the first play. Did he fumble that? Oh, my God. Another review. Okay, here we go. And, and okay, don't forget Chris Collinsworth. Let's
1: chime in and make it more dramatic than necessary. All right, continue. Oh, great. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and, now, we got, and now
0: we got, what's his face? Uh, Mike Pierre. Uh, Mike Pereira or whatever the the old the old official and then if it's a kick that's close, we got Jay Feely coming in and it's just, just too much. Just go back to it. You know, some of the greatest plays in, in sports history, the, the, the immaculate re- reception, and, and some of the greatest plays ever, if there were replay, probably would have been overturned. And first, there would have been a video review that we all would have still argued about. The refs are not perfect. The game is not perfect. Stop searching for perfectness because all you're doing is turning what used to be a great three-and-a-half-hour product into four and a four-and-a-half-hour product with an hour of dead time that is ruining your sport. Stop it. all right
1: well that, that I do not disagree with the replay discussion there at all but I do think that I do think that this catch rule is actually clearer than the other one it makes more sense i I think that entire controlling the ball to, to going to the ground thing was kind of a mistake I think that uh, this there's does correct that language. problem oh sorry
0: there's still too much subjective language there's still too much opinion in it you're still no, I, I I you yeah. by, by week one we will all have some catch that we disagree on we'll be fighting again
1: i i think that there probably will be more more uh... more fighting about it but i i certainly think that, that- that going to the ground was not necessary. That, that was the thing that I thought was kind of just didn't make sense to me because, I mean, it, you know, you're jumping over the line there and you, you would think that the, all those things definitely look like catches to me. So I guess that's kind of the eye test, my version of the eye test as well. But let's, let's go ahead and go to the next NFL rule. I think this one is interesting and maybe controversial for a different reason. Uh, that's the new NFL quote-unquote targeting rule. It's not really targeting, but it's their version of it. Under this change, a player will be penalized 15 yards and potentially ejected at any time he lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. It will apply to tacklers, ball carriers, and even linemen, and it will take place take the place of the previous rule that limited the penalty to contact with the crown of the helmet. Now, the NCAA's targeting rule, that's the one that everyone knows about, penalizes players only when they hit opponents who are in a defenseless position, and they call for mandatory ejections. But the NFL's competition committee has not yet addressed how ejections would be adjudicated, uh, and um, there's... You know, and it's and it's in little doubt that the NFL is going to try to aggressively address these issues because of the concussions. What are your thoughts about this new fifteen-yard penalty?
0: Yes, I think this is this will also be an unpopular view. The rule that you guys all love and the one that everyone hates. There, I'm I'm not, I'm not opposite on both. Um, I like this rule. Uh, I, I'm sorry, you know, it's it's a violent sport. And we got to take some of this. We got to take some of this out. And, and using your helmet as a weapon. It's going to change the game. It will. But it's the same thing in hockey. People said they're taking the physicality out of the sport. They're going to ruin the sport. There's no more fighting. There's no more enforcing. They're going to ruin the sport. Go watch a hockey game right now. Go watch the skill. You got so many young, faster kids in there making unbelievable plays and scoring goals that like you've never seen before. It's almost like the 80s in the NHL again. I'm sorry. This is the way it's evolving. And if you don't like it, you know, it's not going back the other way. There's too many head injuries. There's too much. We know too much now. Somebody – you, you watch the thing with Ryan Chazier last year. Somebody's gonna die on a football field, and 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 if anyone actually thinks that they can stomach watching a play where a guy's laying motionless on the field after you find out at the game that he actually he actually died on the field, that's gonna that's gonna haunt you. So there has to be changes. I'm sorry, it just is it just is how it is. Unfortunately, the you you can't you can't bash your head against somebody for your whole life and, and live to tell about it. So you know yep. it's a it's a necessary move.
1: Right. So I don't I don't disagree with that part of it. But what I disagree with is the. Subjective ejection portion of it, where it says it potentially ejected at any time. It, it doesn't seem like they don't actually put any 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 type of rules or requirements as to how someone will qualify for an ejection. And and I think the NCAA, which makes the ejection essentially mandatory, and also says that this is limited to defenseless defenseless uh, players, I think makes it uh, a more a clearer standard. Now maybe take the defenseless player out of it. You know, just say if you leave your helmet and you hit somebody, you're out then, you know, maybe you, you really make sure that you don't have that type of issue and it's not just a 15-yard penalty. Uh, I think that's the part that's going to be really confusing to people. Um, but I don't disagree with uh, the fact that more safety steps taken is always better for the NFL. All right, we're down to our last minute. Woo, yeah, we didn't have a whole full while, half hour of the time because we are dealing with all the fun technical difficulties and that, that great expose that uh, Ryan had up front. <laughs> Ryan, why don't you tell us your Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you?
0: Yeah, quickly on that last thing, I would say the general rule for the NFL players is if, if Vontez Berfic would hit like this, just don't do it. You should be fine. <laughs> right. um, you That's follow on <laughs> yeah, We'll call it the Vontaze Berfic rule. Uh, yep. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Whitfield, N-E, and on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time and check out drafting sleepers.com the social network for fantasy sports
1: and follow us all on FB garbage time when we get started for our Twitter mock draft that's coming up real soon including our friends at the beer field fantasy focus uh, fantasy football podcast and the urban sports scene podcast It's going to be a lot of fun we will see you real soon and if nothing else tune in again next week and we'll have much more news for you so until next time enjoy your NFL week
0: back for more technical difficulties. (laughs) We'll be sure to have them for you.